0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Schillens and Brad Forsythe.
1: Hey, guess what? It's time for the Advertising Show. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production, and we are so pleased to have a, a great lineup today. I would, I would say this is better than great. This is incredibly good. Alan Rosenschein, who is chairman of BBDO Worldwide, is out of New York this weekend, also the author of a book. It's really kind of cool. It kind of looks like a Monopoly game. It's called Funny Business, Moguls, Mobsters, Megastars, and the Mad, Mad World of the Ad Game. Uh, so Alan's been busy writing a great book, and we're going to tell you more about that in addition to what he's been up to as well. Got uh, Patrick Meyer with us uh, just a few moments now uh, with a thing called A Secret Weapon. You know... In today's world, it's probably not a good idea to recall or re, re, uh, reply to anything as a weapon. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. Secret mm-hmm. weapon for Patrick Jeffrey Gittimer to be the best you can be is what we're all about. And that'll be later on this hour on the advertising show. So you got a whole bunch of stuff there. Yeah. And you filled the entire table <laughs> well, yeah. with
2: paper. That's true. Don't spill your water on no, it. That would be won't. bad. Kept lid on that. There you go. Yeah. What, what do you have there? Well, you know, a uh, lot's been talked about with Katie Couric uh, joining CBS. Yeah, Kirk. What do you think about that? Well... I have said all along, before she even came on the air, that there's only a certain amount of available audience Ah, at that particular time. It's almost like, what are you throwing, uh,
1: bad money at bad or something like that? Not that she's bad, but... uh, What
2: are you going to do, hurry home? And, and what, are you going to TVO it I mean, you, but on the other hand, for whatever it's worth, uh, since the debut of CBS Evening News with Katie Couric, sixteen of the CBS Twenty-One owned and operated TV stations saw ratings jump for both the national news broadcast and their local programming. Now, whether she's really having any kind of uh, staying power uh, to keep up with the with that, and right. if that really is having an influence on on uh, the bump there, uh, remains to be seen. But you know, she does a good job. I'm still getting used to. I don't know about you. Uh, 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 NBC's uh today show and and uh... see I kind
1: of like it. I think they do, do a good job and I think the new lady does a fantastic job mm-hmm. there in the morning.
2: Very all right. But I yeah yes.
1: Uh, but I saw Korey Ke- on one evening and she looked bad. Mm. She had like Black and we're not trying to trash her because she's she <laughs> right. a pretty lady, very nice lady. Right. Uh, but she had like eye makeup on under her eyes, and her hair was all like greasy and pulled mm. back. It's
2: like, what was this all about? I, she may be overcompensating for the airbrushing on the uh, still photography <laughs> that, that was done earlier. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's I know. Strange. That, I, that's I rec- cruel
1: to say that about a woman. But I just noticed that it was an observation. It's like, whoa, what's this all
2: about? I rec- I did uh, Tebow her first uh, uh, premiere broadcast. Yeah. And thought it was okay, and, and then looked in on a few others, and mm-hmm. uh it's okay. I mean, I, I got to hand it to CBS for trying to do a few different things with right. the uh, uh online uh, extensions of that program and, and sure, emails smart. and so forth. They have also reached out to the public, uh, the viewing public, and saying, help me with a sign-off. Did you hear about this? Yeah, well,
1: she already has that. Doesn't well, she? she
2: has her own little made-up one, but they're wanting something more. You know, that's oh. the way it is. You know, oh, one of those gosh. deals. And it
1: also sounds like uh, it also sounds like Walter Cronkite does the intro to that program as well. It is does. that true?
2: Well, uh, he he had something to do with her premiere program. <laughs> Unfortunately, my uh, my digital video that I I call it TiVo, but it's a digital video. Right. It didn't pick up the first <laughs> sure. 60 seconds. I don't know why that was, but I, so I didn't. I missed that. But supposedly he introed her or extra. I don't know. But anyway.
1: Speaking of debut programs and changes, uh, Oprah has the Midas touch. We all know that already. Mm-hmm. I mean, good God. Uh, the launch of Oprah and Friends, uh, a few weeks ago now, on the XM uh, satellite radio channel, has already begun to pay off. Uh, subscription for radio service, uh, along with returning XM advertisers, Airtran, Honda, and more. The uh, 24-hour Oprah channel. Uh, attracted several first-time subscribers, including AccuView, Crown Publishing, Dove, GE, Iams, uh, J.C. Penny, Jenny Craig, SlimFast, oh. uh, Rose Run, whatever Rose Rum that is. Excuse me. Uh-huh.
2: Or, Rum as in uh, a Snapple
1: and Rose Rum with Snapple. Hmm. Good. Mm. <laughs> Splenda, Target, and Warner's True Fit. So, congratulations to Oprah. What else possibly can she do? Yeah. Let's see, she, we know she's not running for president, so. Um, uh, at least she didn't want to, but a lot of
2: people want her to she's uh, she's able to with her credibility command those kind of uh, advertiser interest you got to hand it hand it to the for that you know yeah, exactly especially when they're still struggling with trying to figure out ratings for satellite. Yeah. Good luck. Huh? Yeah. Right.
1: Well, it's okay. It'll happen. It'll right. happen. Its time will come, and it will be good. Sure. Basically, it's like uh, cable twenty years ago. Exactly. We'll do it. Let's uh, let's take a break here. Let's uh, check in a little bit early with Patrick Meyer, our marketing insider, on the advertising show today. It is all about
3: secret weapons. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about a secret weapon that's overlooked by most marketers and most agencies. Things that can be done on the launch that raise the profile and enable third-party endorsers to cover your brand. What I'm talking about here are aggressive, offensive PR and publicity tactics. I'm going to give you two examples. One that's more targeted and one was more global. The first is a brand called Peroni. A brand that I've worked on with my client SAB Miller. They were bringing it into the US and also launching it in London, and they did a very interesting thing. They took a shop in London and also markets in the US, painted it white on the inside, and on a pedestal they put a bottle of Peroni with a cool medallion logo behind it that just said Peroni. And people would walk by, people could buy photograph it, and it intrigued people before they launched the brand. Simple tactic that got press coverage and got the right people talking. My second example is Adidas. In some of their global markets, they took a giant soccer ball and suspended it between two buildings and put two people inside the soccer ball, tied in securely, with a known soccer player kicking this giant ball as it shoots between the two buildings. That publicity stunt wasn't just covered in those countries. It was covered all around the world. What's the value of the Peroni and Adidas example? Inexpensive to do considering the third party endorsement of having news stations and print coverage. So, my friends, what I'm telling you is to use publicity at the right time for a launch or to create your own marketing episode, it can be a hugely effective and efficient tool. The next time you're building a marketing plan, a launch plan, a marketing episode of any type, make sure that you've got a tiny chunk of money built in for PR and publicity. You've been listening to the Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future. Future of Marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer. And remember, the marketing revolution is now.
1: It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Glad to have you with us this weekend. We have uh, Alan Rosenshine, chairman of BBDO Worldwide out of New York uh, with us uh, from his offices in New York. He's written a new book, uh, which is better than writing, writing an old <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. Funny Business, Moguls, Mobsters, Megastars, and the Mad Mad World of the Ad Game. Uh-huh. It's going to be fun to talk with Alan. Also, want to ask him about his shine guy. His shoeshine guy's name is uh, Angelo.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay, So we'll, we'll ask him about Maybe that. Maybe that's tied in with the mobster subtitle. I'm not sure. I don't think Angelo is a mobster, <laughs> well, but you never know. And
2: we're not sliding <clears throat> the
1: Italians. <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, we probably shouldn't do that. No. Uh, uh, this is something interesting, and I, I love change. I love the, uh, the fact that the industry is changing so quickly. The simple act of walking down the aisle of a store may change the future of retailing. If a study conducted by industry leaders like P&G... Uh, And Walmart uh, catches on. The study conducted by a consortium of stores on an industry group released uh, a couple weeks ago uses infrared sensors to show how many people visit certain parts of stores. We don't know if we could... uh, The findings, they say, combined with data like the timing of snowstorms could lead manufacturers to change how they promote their goods in the stores Mm -hmm. and how the stores are configured. That's a great idea. That's an
2: outstanding idea. You know... uh, there's so much more going on in in-store uh, marketing as well as just observing consumers from an uh, in-store standpoint. And I hadn't heard that before that's interesting right.
1: Yeah there, there's more to that as well. Maybe we get a chance to talk about it a little bit later on. Yeah.
2: We have uh, Alan Rosenshine coming your way here in just
1: a couple of moments on the advertising show.
0: Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
4: It's a real thing in the back of your mind. What you're hoping to find is a real thing. It's a real thing.
1: It is indeed. It's Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show with our special guest of this segment and a couple more as well. Uh, Alan Rosenshine, who is chairman of BBDO Worldwide, Inc. Now, Alan has a bio uh, that goes for a longer time than we have in this particular segment. We will just have to say that he has been recognized by Advertising Age as one of the 100 most influential people in advertising over the past century. Frankly, that's all you need, Alan. In 1986, Alan spearheaded what Time Magazine called Advertising's Big Bang, which was the creation of Omnicom, now the largest and most successful marketing communications company in the world. At the time, Alan was head of BBDO Worldwide, which came together with Doyle, Dane, Bernbach and Needham Harper to uh, create this unique merger of three major adjun- uh, advertising agencies. Alan, the first CEO of Omnicom, the three agencies brought worldwide billings of $4.9 billion to Omnicom when they merged. Growing to six point three billion by early nineteen eighty nine. Now, so what's Alan been doing since eighty nine? Well, a little bit, including this book, "Funny Business," mobiles, monsters, mega stars, and the mad mad world of the ad, ad game. Alan, uh, welcome so much. Uh, we are so pleased
2: to have you here on the Advertising Show.
5: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Well, it's our pleasure. And uh, Alan, we're going to uh, bounce back and forth just between uh, comment- commentary about your book, as well as just getting a read on, on the industry and get you to weigh in on some uh, industry issues and. Sure. Before we do that, you know, first off, we've had uh, Phil Duesenberry, uh, a person you know all too well, and uh, he's been on our show a couple times. He's written a, a book recently, uh, the last few years. We had him on the show right before his retirement as well. And, of course, you may recall right before his retirement, I think there was uh, two or three guys that ended up taking uh, taking up the slack on Phil, uh, leaving as uh, CEO of uh, BBDO, and, uh And Chairman, and I asked him the leading question. Did you arrange that, Phil, in order to be able to say it took three of those bastards to fill my shoes? And he said no, that had nothing to do with it. But uh, any uh, insight to uh, Duesenberry you can share with us, being close to him?
5: Well, Phil was my partner for, as you mentioned, many years uh, at BPDO. Uh, Phil had left BPDO and came back um, uh, in the late '70s, at the time that I became president of the New York agency. So, Phil and I worked together from roughly 1980 on through his retirement. And I would have to say that Phil um, was, for me, and I think for the business as a whole, if not. Uh, the best creative director in the business, he was certainly uh, the best one as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. He was a a marvelous judge of advertising with great taste and a real understanding of what would play and what wouldn't. I think a a great number of, of creative people and creative directors these days uh, and perhaps even, uh, you know, throughout advertising in general, because it's such an ego-driven business, a great many creative directors really uh, think about what they like, mm-hmm. as opposed to what is really going to work with the client's customers. And mm-hmm. Bill just had a wonderful knack for what would play emotionally and, and rationally uh, as far as uh, delivering messages to our clients, customers.
2: Yeah, he had a great sense for that. And as you say, that, that's an intangible that either you have it or you don't, regardless of your creative skills. He wrote the book, of course, then we set his hair on fire. Any Did he give you any pointers since his book preceded you in uh, the writing of your <laughs> publishing? Book? Right. Yeah.
5: Well, he did, but they uh, weren't too flattering to, um, to uh, publishers, so I, I think I better not uh, get into that. He gave, me, he gave me some warnings about things to do and not to do when, yeah. when, when working with the publishing community.
2: Yeah, well, I don't, don't want to slam the entire industry, but it is uh, the publishing industry is a, 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 un, a unique and unusual business and not what most people think that it is, and I'll just leave it at that. But uh, describe for us, if you would, uh, Alan, who, who did you write your book for?
5: I wrote my book for my children, and I really didn't intend to write a book at all. It just occurred to me that uh, you know um, maybe they would enjoy reading a story or two and I, and I like writing so i I wrote one or two and then I began to think, well maybe maybe there could be a book here um, and then I just started thinking of anecdotes I didn't keep diaries, and I was all done from recollection and I jotted down perhaps seventy or eighty possible anecdotes and wound up using about sixty of them but uh, I did it for my kids largely because I wanted to give them a sense of what the business was about, what I was about, and what what I had spent all those years uh, doing um, when I wasn't with them, which was unfortunately a lot of the time.
2: Would you uh, categorize it as a, a bit of a combination of uh, how-to as well as a bit of an autobiographical? Uh,
5: uh, well, it's not a lot of how-to. As I say in the preface, I re- really didn't set out to write a how-to And mm-hmm. as far as advertising is concerned. We certainly have enough of those. Right. It, was, it's, it was much more um, hopefully humorous, hopefully... Um, Um, Stressing the fact that when the the left brains of business meet the right brains of a a creative organization like an advertising agency, some pretty crazy things happen, and I, I hope to capture some of that.
2: You know, uh, it's always uh, been interesting to read uh, authors of advertising books, and they all take different approaches, and I agree with you. There's enough how-to out there, and everybody's still trying to figure that out. But uh, how, how was it that uh, at Cannes this year that uh, BBDO threw the, the pool party for the launch of your, your new book and included some of those uh, synchronized swimmers? Was that your idea, Alan?
5: Actually, it was not. Um, I believe it was uh, it was thought up by Andrew Robertson, who uh, is my successor as the CEO. CEO of of BBDO worldwide but um uh, I'm not 100% sure that it was his idea, but it wasn't mine.
2: Yeah, and uh, uh, moving off away from your book for just a moment, any thoughts about just the state of affairs of the agency business today with all the new technologies and new media that are out there and the f- fact that a lot of people consider that traditional media, if not broken, is, is certainly uh, struggling at this point to reach today's consumer and how the consumer truly is uh, gaining more and more control of what they uh, receive with regard to commercial messages today. Any thoughts of, on that, Alan?
5: Well, as with most things, I think that the, um, I think that there's um, a lack of balance here in the sense that uh, the proponents of the new media and the predictors of the demise of the traditional advertising agency and traditional media, for that matter, uh, overly exaggerate the case. As far as I'm concerned. And people who uh, try to ignore the new media or believe that if somehow, some way, you know, it's not going to have a massive impact on the way we communicate uh, with with our clients, customers, uh, are also uh, guilty of wishful thinking. Uh, for me, um, new media, while it is far more. Um, Far more aggressively complex and, and changing, uh, and, and developing so fast that it does provide some real stress points. But the fact of the matter is that we've been dealing with new media for for generations mm. in the advertising business, and very few new media have obviated old ones. Uh, I'm, I'm hard pressed to think of any media that has been uh, eliminated by the uh, by a new technology.
2: Right. And so you think it's a bit overblown.
5: Well, I think that the I think that the um, uh, the proponents of the death of the advertising agency business and the death of traditional media, uh, and surprisingly, some of them are in the advertising agency and some of them are in traditional media, um, are just um, you know I think they're blowing a lot of smoke to mm. hype what they're trying to sell.
2: Right, and you know it doesn't take uh, an expert to just look at the way messages were developed in uh, traditional television and how they are developed and, and executed today and. You know, one could argue that television has changed considerably in 20, 30 years. We have cable now and satellite and all. You know, so just taking one medium and looking at it, as you point out, Alan, it, uh, yeah. it, it's it's all always changing. And in, in your book, when we were talking about Phil Dusenberry earlier, Phil mentions that one of his most often uh, uh, stated beliefs, and you quote this in, a, in your book, is that uh, advertising should be famous. And we've got about a minute and a half left. We've had George Lois on the show as well. And interestingly enough, here's two guys well-known in the industry. They, George said the same thing. Uh, advertising must be famous. What do, what, do you, what do you think they mean by that?
5: Well, it means, first of all, um, famous really means talked about. It means it creates a buzz of its own. It creates a, a value just beyond the message itself. Um, yeah, advertising that's famous is advertising that works, unless it's saying the wrong thing, unless it's strategically off-base. So what you're trying to do with advertising is get attention, and that's a pretty good definition of what being famous uh, really is.
1: special guest is Alan Rosenshine, chairman of BBDO Worldwide and uh, author of a new book called Funny Business, Moguls, Mobsters, Megastars, and the man Mad world of the ad game. We've got a couple more segments to spend with uh, Alan here on the Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. By the way, check out the AdvertisingShow.com website. It is powered by Shipple.com. That's dot lcom and a program called Tenants. It is one incredibly killer um, web marketing uh, program for you, so check it out. We kind of like recommend it here on the Advertising Show. More with uh, Ray Shellens and Brad Forsyth coming up in just a moment on the Advertising Show.
0: Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show.
1: That's how they put a Broadway Spectacular to work for uh, Contact, a classic uh, spot on the advertising show. Rachel and Brad Forsyth, Special guest, Alan Rosenshine and the funny business, moguls, mobsters, megastars, and the mad, mad world of the ad-, ad game. And so I want to ask quickly here were you a good tipper for Angelo, the shoeshine guy? <laughs> Was it, or What'd you do? I mean, you had him for quite a few years, I guess, huh?
5: Yeah, Angelo was with our, our company for quite some time, and his son wound mm-hmm. up uh, working for us as well, but not in the, as, in, as a shoe shiner, but rather uh, in our art department. Um, yeah, Angelo was a fixture, and uh, uh, the story I wrote in the book was uh, almost. Word for word, true.
2: <laughs> That's funny. Good for you. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it's a great book. Anyone listening to the advertising show today, you, you need to pick up this uh, copy of this book. Obviously, uh, Amazon.com or your local bookstore. Funny Business by Alan Rosenshine. Uh, Alan, uh, you've been quoted as saying advertising is a reactive art. I think most people might find that interesting, and in that some suggest that advertising creates trends. Uh, some would argue that it doesn't create tr- trends, and I think you're suggesting the latter. What do you th- What do you mean by that?
5: Yeah, I don't think advertising creates trends because what we really try to do is is follow them and get onto them, those that are important and relevant as quickly as possible. Um, I can't imagine the relevance of trying to create a trend where that doesn't, you know, something that doesn't exist, because advertising really needs to be relevant to the way people think, feel, uh, and go about their business. So I think we're tracking that, and the trends that exist and occur have become part of that, but we don't invent them. I can't imagine showing, um, let's say, a man with a ponytail before it became a trend.
2: I agree, and the relevancy aspect that you mentioned is something that is so much overlooked. Uh, You know, uh, although I want to weigh in on that, I think generally speaking, 90-plus percentage of the time, maybe even 98, 99 percentage of the time, you are exactly correct. But there are exceptions along the way, Alan, and one that comes to mind is the iPod. Uh, You know, Creative was a company that came out with a similar device, uh, and, and it didn't have the marketing strength that uh, Apple had with the iPod, and the iPod phenomenon has, has just uh, taken off and really done a lot for Apple. And and But yet those in the know realize that Creative uh, ended up suing uh, Apple because of some infringement issues, and Creative is still struggling and way behind the curve in terms of sales, and iPod is an exception, but I think it's an example of how uh, a product got put on the map through some great advertising. You, do you agree or disagree with that?
5: I do absolutely agree with that. And uh, the product uh, just filled a need and a niche with the, with the consumer that was, uh, that was astounding. And the technology is something that um, almost anyone of any age can tap into. It's a brilliant product. Mm-hmm. But it isn't an example of advertising creating a trend. It's an example of advertising being used to um sell up to sell a new product which in itself um, uh, was successful because there was such a a, a real relevant need for it
2: well th- you make a good point and uh, and you are distinguishing that and, and, and that's uh that's a very well uh, very appropriate point you, you you've been quoted Alan, as saying that uh, advertising just doesn't rank as a serious business. Why do you think that is?
5: Well, I think first of all, the popular culture uh, tends to belittle advertising um, I, I, I It's rare that you see a, a movie or a TV show or or any or novel or anything that that glamorizes and glorifies it in any truly positive way We're the butt of a lot of jokes and i, I remember a a survey that was done um, not too long ago which ranked um, you know advertising people um, pretty far down the list of of, 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 of uh, professions mm-hmm. i think uh Oops i think we uh we beat lawyers but not by much but <laughs> in, any, in any event uh we're we're generally portrayed you know as hucksters mm-hmm. and um uh, as a result the the profession uh doesn't uh, doesn't really um doesn't really have a um a high value or a high a high view among people. The other thing is of course the uh the always uh quoted uh, belief that advertising lies which uh is itself a lie, it just mm-hmm. isn't true advertising may exaggerate but that's what everybody does to make a point Right. Yeah.
2: yeah and you know I don't think a lot of people, the general public have any clue how advertising is created and founded in research and other uh, just the whole way it's approached uh, and most most people don't get that and as a result that bleeds into why I think the profession is viewed that way, you said that your book well, is...
5: I suggest one other thing mm-hmm? excuse me for sure, interrupting sure. Uh, Brad and that is that all the research that's done generally shows, you know, that people think advertising makes them buy things they don't need right. and doesn't tell the truth. Right. But that's the fault of the research. If mm. you ask somebody, um, well, do you think advertising is truthful, I mean, you'd have to be a moron to expect <laughs> someone to say, oh, yes, advertising is truthful, I believe it, I'm affected by it, and I buy what they tell me to buy. Right? Of course, of course you're going to get that result. Right.
2: Right, that's so silly. And by the way, uh you say your book is not a how to. We have about a minute left here. Uh although I would argue that there's a lot to be learned if you're in the business from someone like yourself and the stories that you uh that you delineate. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that next segment in particular about the celebrities and advertising and your particular consideration that uh that you point out in your book about key factors when to consider using uh, uh celebrities and I'd like to hold that till next segment as well as a little story that I found extremely interesting. Ray and I were talking about this before we went on the air today, and that was how you were involved in pitching a client while the client was asleep. And I think there's a lesson there. For it's a funny story, and there's wow. a lesson there for anyone that's uh, in a, a new business. Presentation. Well, maybe the
1: good news is the client was something uh, selling uh, mattresses or something. Well, yeah, or sleep sleep aids. Yeah, sleep aids or something. And then there's the the Frank Sinatra. Uh, Get-togethers as well. You had the chance to meet Frank, but uh, and I almost had the chance to meet Frank. I got Tony Matola instead. Okay, <laughs> but that was okay because I like Tony Matola as well. That's just the way it goes. So uh, we have uh, more with Alan Rosenshine, chairman of BBDO Worldwide, and the author of a great book called Funny Business. And so we'll be back with more in just a moment.
0: Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show.
4: Dippity do. You. Dippity do.
0: For setting your hair.
4: Dippity do too is no longer allowed
1: on airlines. Alan Rosenshine, chairman of BBDO Worldwide, and Funny Business is the book, Moguls, Mobsters, Megastars, and the Madman World of the Ad Game. Glad to have you on the advertising show. Alan, welcome back.
2: Thank you again. Yeah, and a great uh, history of your career and some great uh, advice to be gleaned uh, for those that are in the advertising business and want to learn from uh, Alan's uh, illustrious career. One story in particular, before we talk about celebrities and advertising, Alan, one story in particular I found uh, very interesting involved you pitching a client while the client was asleep. Share with our audience this story, if you would.
5: Yeah, well actually there were two such occasions. I suppose I didn't learn the first time. But anyway, the first time, as it turned out, uh the, the client suffered from uh you know, uh the sleeping disorder and I didn't I had no idea of that <laughs> whatsoever. And the account man did but he didn't warn me. Sure. So I was pitching the client and showing him all of this work and um, uh he was absolutely out cold. I mean, he was just simply sleeping in front of me. And I didn't know what the hell to do. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think to myself, well, what do I do? Do I stop? Do I uh, try to wake him up? Do I say something about it? And I look over at the account guy, and he just waves his hand like, keep going. So I keep going. And the guy finally wakes up just about the time I finished showing him the work, and he says, well, uh, that's fine, and uh, since all of my people seem to like it, uh, have a nice day.
2: <laughs> Wish they were all that easy, huh, yeah, Alan? Right.
5: Yeah, the second time it happened uh, uh, I, w- I was a little more uh, I was a little more ready for him and uh, I I absolutely horrified the town executive in this instance because since the client was asleep, asleep I just started babbling at him and talking nonsense just to see if he was listening. <laughs> and he wasn't. So I kept babbling and talking nonsense and the cowman was having an apoplectic fit because he was scared the guy was was actually hearing it somehow. Which he didn't. And I finally dropped an ashtray on his foot, he woke up, thanked me profusely for all the good work and left. <laughs>
2: That's funny. That's funny. And you know, uh, advertising. A lot of people take uh, advertising and what we do so so seriously, maybe too seriously. And it's got to be fun, don't you think, Alan? Oh
5: yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons I think that uh, that uh, it attracts such an eclectic group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is fun. It's not repetitive. I mean, we, we are trying to do the same thing all the time, which is which is uh, reach our clients, customers with their messages, but. It's not repetitive because the clients are different, the products are different, the technologies are different, the world is constantly changing, and we have to keep up with all of that.
2: Yeah. You know, and and in your book, again, you you say it's not a business how-to, but I'd like to uh, argue that there's a a lot of great wisdom to be learned from uh, Funny Business by our guest today, Alan Rosenshine, and I'd encourage our listeners to check it out. You know, we were mentioning about celebrities in advertising. I know you've got some thoughts about uh, factors to consider when using a celebrity in an an ad campaign, but before we get into that, do you think that uh, in some cases when you look at celebrities being used in advertising that maybe the agency is taking a bit of a lazy man's approach to thinking that a celebrity will make up for any kind of cleverness behind a, a campaign, or, or what are your thoughts on that?
5: Oh, sure. I mean, if, if uh, there's, there's an old saying that if you have nothing to say or no idea for saying it, then either sing it or have a celebrity say it. Hmm. Um and and too often it's true and the, the real issue is that the celebrity um, is only there because they're a celebrity mm-hmm. not because they have any relevance to the product I think the point I was making in one story or another was that celebrities work when you can have some uh, relevant belief that they are um, interested in the product mm-hmm. might even use it themselves and have a particular reason why they are pitching that particular product right Without that connection, it just becomes uh, superfluous and
2: ridiculous. You know, and if you use that thought of relevancy when you're watching uh, television or just seeing any kind of endorsement uh, commercial and you ask yourself relevancy from uh, celebrity to product, you see so many times that there just lacks relevancy, and it's surprising that uh, that disconnect still exists. You worked with Lee Iacocca originally with the uh, Chrysler campaign. Uh, whose idea was that for Lee to become spokesperson? Was that lee's idea
5: uh, actually i don't think it was lee's idea per se i think um the first time around when when lee was running chrysler right um it was strategically a good idea because uh at that point uh, chrysler was really suffering uh, from credibility and lee had a lot of personal publicity as to uh, coming over from ford to save the company and uh, in fact his first moves uh, indeed were uh, were very positive and got a lot of uh, got a lot of pub- uh, public public uh, view in the, in the news and in the media and in the business world that uh, that he was he was being successful. So the fastest way to transfer that credibility to the product, which frankly lacked credibility at that point, uh, was to use Lee, and and clearly he didn't have an issue of relevance because it was his company.
1: That is uh, Alan Rosenshine, chairman of BBDO Worldwide, author of a brand-new book out uh, this past summer, Funny Business, Moguls, Mobsters, Megastars, and the Mad, Mad World of the Ad Game. This would be a fun book to get for a special occasion or even uh, even the holidays here. Hey, Alan, thank you so much for taking time to be on the advertising show. We appreciate that.
5: Thank you, Brad. Thank you, Ray. It was my pleasure.
1: Back with uh, more in just a moment. Stay with us.
0: You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. Mmm. I love the sound of the rain. Mm. And I love the taste of your fresh fruit coffee. Oh, thanks, but it's not fresh fruit. It's new tray caps.
1: Like we said, nothing that's outlasts great. the Energizer. Classic spot, they advertising show, Rachel Lund's Brad Forsyth. And I uh, had fun talking to Alan. I, I wish him well. What an incredible career. Yeah, I, I mean, he could he could walk away today and go play Parcheesi if he wanted to <laughs> for the rest of his life. But, no, he's gone ahead and put all these things down. And
2: I think that's really interesting that he's, that he's written a book for his kids. Yeah.
1: What a great idea. That, well, that is certainly a level five kind of a guy.
2: It really well. is, and, and uh, you're exactly right, Ray. He's a, he's a, it's a great book, and Ray and I both recommend it. And before uh, off the air, uh, as we concluded the uh, segment there, I wanted to ask uh, Alan on the air, and I didn't get a chance to do that, so we'll share with you, uh, asking him about what advice he would give uh, young people just getting in the business. And he said, well, it depends on what area they want to get into, but creative uh, people interested in the creative end need to have samples of ad campaigns that they actually created not uh... You know, not just uh, a little here, a little there. So, just, yeah. in in other words, insight into how you think, and and then with regard to the business side of the uh, ad ad business, he he said a business degree is always good, meaning an MBA, as well as client side experience, uh, which mm-hmm. would bring which would uh, give you a uh, leg up on on your competition out there. I thought that was interesting that he didn't say an advertising degree in that right. particular area, right. and just in general, uh, world experiences uh, mm-hmm. the better. Greater world experiences you can bring to a position early on as a a young person, the the better off you're going to be in terms of your uh, perspective. So, great wisdom from uh, Alan Rosenstein, and I wanted to share that with everyone. Thank you. Yeah, you're You're welcome. welcome. Yes.
1: So, uh, next week, Larry Gerbrand joins us. Larry is Senior VP, uh, General Manager, Nielsen Analytics. He's facts and figures kind of a guy. He used yeah. to be a CPA, and now he's into uh, the, the metrics and
2: such. And, and a round two for Larry, who's been on the show a couple months ago.
1: That means Larry now gets an unofficial parking spot here it's at true. the advertising show. Huh? Sony's getting smart uh, with uh, Hispanic advertising. Uh, they say to grab Latinos, Sony is emphasizing education. Hmm. What a great concept. Uh, yeah. Figuring out how, how to reach the Hispanic market is less about the brand building and... And uh, Latino immigrants know the global marketer from their home countries. Uh, then about educating consumers about its technology products and its partnership with people in Espanol, Sony is encouraging Hispanics to take photos of each other with Sony cameras for possible use in their Magazine, hmm. okay, that magazine, and it's a five-month tour. It's a fall tour, going directly to consumers with the most comprehensive Hispanic effort yet. Uh, so they're they're out and about doing some non-traditional stuff as well. It's That's a great advertising.
2: idea. very nice, nice way to do that. It really is. And uh, you know, Nokia plus soccer moms equals future video networks. You might think, well, what in the world is that? Well, well so- Soccer Moms apparently have sparked the future of wireless broadband video networks with an exec and uh, with a wireless startup, uh, FON, suggest, FON suggests that uh, new gadgets like the upcoming Nokia camera phone, you are talking about photography earlier, could uh, enable home users like Soccer Moms to broadcast directly into a live version of YouTube. So, mm. you know, it's kind of tying in uh, a good community kind of uh, uh, website like YouTube and, and uh, video and so forth to be able to uh, uh, connect right in and have your friends and family that live on all par- any uh, many different parts of the U.S. or sure. maybe around the world. Tune, uh, it would drive traffic to YouTube and say, hey, look at uh, look at the sun here.
1: We've got uh, Patrick Meyer. No, Jeffrey Gittimer on the way. Uh, this feature is called Be the Best You Can Be. Isn't that an Army slogan? Oh, that's be all you can be. So (laughs) this one is be the best you can be. Jeffrey is a regular feature here on the Advertising Show with Ray Showns and Brad Forsyth. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other
6: great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. In order for you to be the best you can be for others, first, you have to be the best person you can be for yourself. If you want to be the best salesperson, first, you got to be the best person. If you want to be the best dad or the best mom, first, you have to be the best person you can be for yourself. When you achieve best for yourself, then and only then can you be your best for others. I know it's got a kind of a selfish twinge to it, but if you think about it long enough, you're going to come to realize that your shortcomings in all of your endeavors stem from the fact that you're not being the best person you can be for yourself. You know, I hear a lot of people say in conversations to one another, I gave you the best years of my life. What'd you do that for? They were the best years. Why wouldn't you keep them for yourself? You see, if you focus on being your best person first. You're not making a sacrifice for anybody else. You're giving them the blessing of you. Quick takes on sales and customer
1: relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring
3: Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com.
1: And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say...
6: This is Jeffrey Gittimer, reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks.
1: That's right. You tell him, Jeffrey. The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens, Brad Forsythe at com, an incredibly cool website with a lot of good stuff. And now an interview with uh, Alan Rosenstein, former chairman of BBDO Worldwide. And uh, his book, Funny Business, Moguls, Mobsters, Megastars, and the Mad Mad World of the Ad Game. And Larry Gerbrandt's going to be great next week as well. So we hope uh, hope you join us uh, for that, too. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay? Yeah.
1: Uh, we're talking technology. Why don't we talk about one more thing here with camera phones and movie phones and such. Uh, uh, oct- uh, I, I thought it said uh, October, but it's uh, outdoors getting more inventive every day. We know that. always sure? sure. has been, thanks to technologies that allow... Uh. once static billboards to be truly interactive with uh, more cell phones now equipped with Bluetooth, consumers can request more information or download music with digital ink. Uh. lets marketers change their messages and video screens responding, uh. to a touch of the phone. Isn't that cool? Well, so they change their messages basically yeah, throughout the day.
2: It's, it's very funny because, uh, I'll wait, but uh. watchmaker Fossil, uh. you know, Fossil. Sure. They apparently have announced recently that they have a Bluetooth uh, fashion accessory in. Gre- uh, in integrated in a uh, watch called caller ID wristwatch, which... Oh, well, how cool is that? Apparently it tells you, it vibrates to tell you who the incoming call is on your cell phone, but wow. it's like, well, wait a minute, isn't your cell phone like in your pocket anyway? <laughs> so you got to look at your watch to see who's calling you? I mean, it's, a, it's technology, but... Uh, but
1: that's still cool. Yeah. Fossil's always done a good job. I think I own a, a few Fossil watches, yeah. and they're nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, hope you can join us for uh, Larry Gerbrandt, uh, senior VP, general manager of Nielsen Analytics uh, next week. And uh, do check out the book. Go to, to Amazon or go to the, your favorite bookstore and uh, take a look at it. Funny business with uh, Alan Rosenshine. Hope you had a good time. The Advertising Show, brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit
4: online at adage.com. This is a big Radio Midgets production.